about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Ryan. Hi, hello, hello, and hello, and welcome everyone to episode, can you say it with me, Tim? Episode 50 50. (laughs) of Dismembering Horror. We made it, Tim. The podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie. Oh, and myself, Tim Aslan. Well, we dismember a horror movie every week, every Thursday, in fact. (laughs) And what does it mean to dismember? A film. Watch a film. Yes. Talk about a film. Yes. Say what worked. Yes. Say what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Make some notes of things. I mean, some things of note. <laughs> exactly. That's it. And we find, well, we like to see what we haven't seen, what we haven't seen for a while. Our favorite is stuff you've suggested that we watch. And we're all, you know, we're on the, we're on the hunt, not for the shunt, but for <laughs> great horror God. films we haven't seen before. And um, I feel like we got to recap, Tim, with uh, why we're, we aren't watching the film that we pulled last week. You may or may not have noticed. That's right. Well, because we can't find that film anywhere. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> One Cut of the Dead was uh, supposed to be available on Shutter sometime soon, hopefully. They have yeah. the rights. It, it was a while ago we added it to the list. But it's not available anywhere except for like um, British Blu-ray, so <laughs> yeah, uh, we're unable to watch it. So we thought we'd jump ahead, and since we love doing listeners' suggestions, but don't have a whole lot now, we're just going to use this special episode fifty to to skirt the rules a bit and do this film Society, which was requested by our listener Doctor Williams. That's all I will call him. <laughs> wow, Doctor Williams mm-hmm. hmm. requested right. would love to hear us talk about society. Whoa. So that's what we're here to do today, and we'll pick up how, one cut how of the mysterious. dead when it's mm-hmm. <laughs> Part of the Beverly Hills social elite, perhaps. Oh my God, <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> I know. I hope not too. <laughs> well, yeah. Anything else to talk about? Catch up from the times before Tim. Anything you want to reflect on briefly with the 50 episodes? Um, well, I was, when uh, I was listening or re-listening to the Midsummer episode, I had a revelation about one extra layer of, um, you know, sort of thematic things that were going on, which was uh, the idea that we almost talk about it, but we didn't quite get to this one extra thing, which is the people from the outside coming into this world and then being upset that these other people are choosing or like being the the ones who are saying, we get to decide when you die. Mm-hmm. And that's a like a horrible idea as a concept to the outsiders. It is the same thing that Danny's not yeah Danny that Danny's sister does to her parents mm-hmm. where she says I'm going to control when you guys die like your sort of your fate and I was like oh shit yeah of course that wraps back around That's cool and I it's cool and I I got to wonder like I remember thinking during the beginning of the film when that was all happening was does this somehow connect more in like a more sort of literal non-literal way i guess to what's going on as far as the sister and the parents occurrence like 
because I don't know, it just felt like there's some undercurrent of connectivity that was, you know, maybe more than just a little thematic connectivity. Like, I don't know, it was at least planting those questions of like, is the sister involved with this? You know, is that going to be a twist or right? Well, I think it's at the end of the day, at the very least, it's Danny almost taking on the same role that she's grieving her that her sister took on of like deciding who dies, mm-hmm. and she makes you know she decides that Christian dies, mm-hmm. and like she participates in this quote unquote ritual, which is what the sister does. I mean, that thing, like all of the tubes in the asphyxiation, that's a ritual death. It makes it that much more tragic that what destroyed her and led her there in the first place is exactly where she ended up herself. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's good. That's smart. (laughs) That's enough just to do it there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) So I was like, oh, how did we glaze over that but there's so much that it's As like of said, course we did <laughs> we could have talked for five hours yeah which we would have gotten there probably i think we can do with this film too tim no if not three hours oh oh god what? well let's get into Ugh. it then <laughs> okay wait did you say what we watched no oh good no <laughs> i haven't well because uh we haven't watched the trailer yet and that's when we say it well we're watching the film. No, I said it. I said we're watching Society when I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Doctor Williams requested it. Yeah. So, nineteen eighty nine, but came out in ninety two's Society. Yeah. Sounds like it was maybe released in Europe briefly in eighty nine because it still uh, has film, that demarcation in date. a film festival for sure. Okay. Well, it definitely feels more. It's it <laughs> somehow feels exactly that. Yeah. That, those three years that's right (laughs) okay well should we watch the trailer and then really get into all right trailer for society for bill whitney i've never been paranoid fear plays a large part in family life i feel like something's gonna happen and if i scratch the surface there'll be something terrible underneath he's afraid his sister could you zip me up billy is not what she seems thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves with you, you're gonna drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. (laughs) Why why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? Is far worse than he could ever imagine. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know the Billy Boy? The rich have always sucked off low-class scum like you. Uh-oh, Billy. Clarissa? Oh, boy. What, 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 is, what does that mean? <laughs> I just feel like there's a movie that could have been made by somebody really good at making movies in this movie. But <laughs> I want to, it just, I think something I wanted, maybe oh, this man. can be a through line, but I definitely wanted to, I think this could be a fun way to end the episode is to talk about how oh, we would remake it. Yes. Yes. I had that thought a few times while we were watching. And I was like, me too. Oh, so here's to get to my rating. Yeah. 
Here's my thing with all that, though, is as much as I have my own take on this and want to change everything to make a different movie, I wouldn't want to change anything about this movie. No, I get that. Yeah, I, it's its own thing. Tim Timothy Aslan. <laughs> God, here we go. I don't. <laughs> I don't see how I can give this film anything less than a buy it. Oh my God. You're you're a fucking madman. Just like screaming mad George. <laughs> oh my God. It's so fucking bad though. It's where, I get it. I get it. Where it's so bad. How is this not like the one of the best stories ever committed to a film? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I can almost get behind that it it is a good story Be, that, that's what i'm saying and it's like if you remade this there's yeah. a lot there to right. dive into but this is what this is still the story fully on display and giving us beats of this story displayed <sighs> that's fine but so is hamlet but people sh- do that horribly all the time right right well, here's, and I think this is... This is not Hamlet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is better. Um, at I least mean, it in, is kind of Hamlet. At but. least in my eyes. I, you know what? Yeah. I, I've never been able to... I can only appreciate Shakespeare from afar. I can never... I'm always sure. like 10 sentences behind. <laughs> yeah. What, why are we comparing <laughs> Shakespeare? Because you said... But here, with this film, I... And this is, I think, our uh, key difference I've noticed in our taste over all (laughs) these films is I have a deep, deep love and appreciation for camp and kitsch. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really it's it's such a fine line for me. Yeah. Like Evil Dead 2 camp. okay. Society camp. No. (laughs) We watched something. Oh, like Evil Ed. Yeah. I didn't, we both hated that. Yeah, that has a level of camp and, you know, that I'm just like, ugh. Here's, that had like, okay, evil. Except for when he, except for when he slam dunks the head in the gra- right. trash can. Evil Ed, though, it was, for me, it's, even though, yeah, you could say it's camp, it was mired and trapped behind, it was never going to get anywhere because it was too busy only idolizing other films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the filmmakers love this film and this material, you could tell. Yeah. That's like the core difference that makes me like uncomfortable with Evil Ed and on board with this. Okay. Um. So that was my rating, Tim. I'd, Fuck, I, I'd, I'd buy it just so I could show it to people who haven't seen it too. That's why I'm as far as a buy that it. That is cruel. Just cruel that you would make and somebody I sit through the, this. And I want to watch the document. I want to listen to the, the the commentary. All in hopes, maybe I think we could uh, remake it someday in a okay. very different take. If he doesn't do the sequel first, which we'll talk <laughs> about too. Oh no! Yeah. Um. So God. <sighs> would I avoid this? I don't. I wish. I. I feel like this movie could grow on you, Tim. I think this movie grows on it. I. By the way, I liked it way, way more a second time. Like I liked it the first time. I was intrigued by it, but I was probably a like high stream, low rent this time around, though. You know what my problem is? It, aside from the fact that there's a bunch of things that I just don't like, like bad acting and bad directing, and just like mm, kind of. There's some stuff that is disjointed. We'll talk about all that. But um, 
Uh, I don't know what I was going to say. Your rating. My problem with it. Uh, so I don't disagree with you about that, those aspects, but for me, it's like there's such an endearing, specific vision on display, you know, that overrides, that, that comes through enough in the sort of, in the directing and handling. I, here's what it is. Yeah. I think it doesn't pay off on in a in the right way for me to to be like that was all worth it to get to this Mm -hmm. that so like the first hour of the film doesn't yeah yeah. so hmm i'm not an avoid but i don't think i can just well can i justify renting it i I mean, we have for one mu- for that's in me, between. For me, right? I guess I wouldn't. You want to rent it just for the end? That's my. That's why I'm conflicted. Is because it didn't quite land. An, an I mean, on its surface, yes, but it. When I think about it, I'm like, but that's just a bunch of funny effects. Like it didn't feel like it paid off. The way I might have wanted it to. When the moment happened where he was like, now we'll get to the bottom of this. And his hand goes up his bottom and out his mouth. I thought (laughs) I was secretly hoping that this was the moment that Tim decided he'd own this film. No. Because you've said that before about something else. We're like, if that had... No, in Dolly Dearest, where it was like, if she had crawled up his butt and come out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Um... Mm. Go no, here, I'm a stream. Okay. I'm a stream. Fuck. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, you'll change it later. Maybe. Okay, stream <laughs> it. Okay, let's do our our summary. Okay. Well, it's kind of kind of in that trailer. It's like Billy lives in Beverly Hills. He feels like something weird's going on with his family. He's got a therapist who he doesn't trust. And he's like seeing shit. Yeah. Well, it's a pair. It's I like uh, this term's applicable. Uh, I think I read this somewhere and I have it written down here probably. But it's, you know, part paranoid thriller for sure, which I love. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it's sort of the. Yeah, we do kind of just have this weird collage of like what are these why do we even have these scenes kind of thing of like a little why bit, is he at yeah. the beach now i don't know but it's there's, all there's slight connectivity yeah to it. there's just enough of like doling out the clues of i don't know and actually no saying it there's plenty of it like we get the tape reveal he goes they mix up the tape there's the the, the running stuff at the school there's the old girlfriend and the new girlfriend stuff going on yeah there's there is an overarching thing of is this just in his head is he going crazy and we never really and that yeah for being someone so unlikable um (laughs) we i actually sympathize with him because of his plight of like am i going crazy or not yeah but yeah i'm just trying to think what's the bulk of the film you know it's it's and then this happens Mm -hmm. but it i mean it's connected but it's not it's lacking the kind of reversal type stuff where it's like he's led in one direction and and then it turns on him 
it's all kind of linear leading to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it, I mean, which it, also works well as far as though we definitely feel it's, there's this, what is this mystery going to be? What is this payoff going to be? Right. Yes. But you know what? There's, there's sort of, eh, why are we getting into this? This is a summary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ultimately, yeah, the, the vague mystery right. of, is he crazy or is there something going on leads him to discover that something is going on, which is that everybody in Beverly Hills, that's like social elite or whatever that he's surrounded by belongs to this club. What what would you call that? Yes. (laughs) Like it's very, it's almost eyes wide shutty. It's this secret society. The police are involved connections in Washington. And they, what are they? We, that's that's one of the cool, I think, Lovecraftian They're, things about it. True. As far as uh, what they actually are. They're not aliens, they say. They're not aliens. They're, I mean, they're a metaphor for rich people who, who as they suck, say, suck off, off right? society. The or the poor. Anyone not in the 1%. Right. So there you go. That's yeah. the summary. <laughs> and then he, you know, wins, sort of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Gets away. Yeah. Well, okay. Usually, I mean, I've got a lot written down from other things for this because I think this is a movie where people are interested and I'm interested in sort of like really getting into the mean bones of So what is this movie? So to sort of like, <laughs> as a jumping off point, I did want to read some other, to try to figure out what the tone of this was which I think is really interesting. If it's all right with you, I wanted to read a couple like sort of bits of some other reviews describing what the film like is, you know? Yeah. Okay. So from Slant Magazine, nothing in the film is meant to be conventionally realistic as it luxuriates in a heightened, overheated, uh, periodic, periodic, (laughs) you know, parody zone that suggests a cross between a deranged soap opera and a reliably crass and insidiously conformist John Hughes film. (laughs) Agree? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Fangoria interview with the director, writer, producer, Brian Usna, or no, because, you know, developer, he didn't write the original script. Um, or no, I think this is not what he said, but then the Fangoria talking about it. Simultaneously, a searing satirical comment, uh, commentary, wait, sorry, comment America's great class divide, a campy send up of teen melodrama, a paranoid thriller, and thanks to an unforgettably icky finale, one of the goopiest genre flicks ever made. On first viewing, it's almost too much to take in. The tone and pacing slingshot all over the place before arriving at a sexualized latex horror finale ripped from the fertile imagination of makeup effects guru screaming Mad George. And then lastly, sorry, it's a bit bulky, but this is from the director, Brian Usna himself, I think is good context for our discussion here from the same uh, Fangoria interview. We tried to make everything in the movie insane, Yuzna humbly stated. I always tend to (laughs) film my movies with irony because that's just my sense of humor and point of view. I don't like to play things straight. There's always a little edge or twist somewhere. Most of the audience won't get it. They'll think it's awkward or stupid, but I find it funny. I think I was influenced very strongly and early by Mad Magazine. That's where I learned about satire and it never left me. It's my way of entertaining myself or maybe just a bad habit that I can't shake. 
I always like to have a little snide comment in my movies. I'm not sure where a lot of that comes from, but I know in society so much of it was just a result of giggling while we were making it. I'm not always sure what we intended to be, what what we intended to be a joke and what just turned out accidentally funny when I'm done with my movies, but some things are very clear. I certainly think the craziness and wildness of the shunting works just as well today. But that comparison to Mad Magazine, I think, helped a lot, you know. Yeah, it is a very specific type of humor, like Mad Magazine specifically, that I never could get into. I was just, was like, this is dumb. (laughs) I know some of our listeners are uh, big fans of Mad Magazine, and we're just recently lamenting its demise in print. (laughs) Well... Yeah, it just doesn't work for for me. So as you, a, it's as funny you say it's just dumb, but then like, I no, could hear I mean, people saying what they love about it is it's dumb. N- n- that, I think that's my point: is that that type of humor, that quote unquote dumb humor, mm-hmm. does not appeal to me. So it, <laughs> that is a pure taste thing, where it's like you saying that that that's the director's point of view. I get this weird reaction of like, well, I then I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. It feels kind of almost flippantly a middle finger to the audience in a weird way. Because it's like, well, I don't care. They're not going to get it anyway. But I, it makes me laugh. So fuck them. I don't know. It's hard because it's for me, like in film, you want to like. All you really have to fall back on is, well, your own subjectivity and what you're coming up with on set. Like, you know, whenever we hear about, oh, how was that great memorable moment come up with? It was just some sort of, you know, uh, spark of um, of inspiration, whether the actor is someone on set, whatever, you know. So I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing to I mean, I, that's the difficult thing of filmmaking is knowing when is this right for the thing? Da, da, da. Yeah. But, I guess it's like when when some when a filmmaker acknowledges that they are dismissing the whether or not the audience will like it like that's a really fine line for me of like like then why are you doing it mm-hmm. you know cuz it's it's yeah it's that it's it's really touchy cuz sometimes that's right like that can result in something that is that everybody loves and sometimes it's it feels to me a little self-indulgent and a little like i just feel like that's always the it's it's it's, when you look at you know advice from filmmakers to future filmmakers it's always you have to do what you love and then that's how you find your people you know i agree but if you're doing what you love in in and and almost actively throwing it in the face of the audience, I feel like that's where it can get. But I don't think touchy. it's the only people it's throwing anything in the face of with this. I don't think it's. I don't think it's not including anyone in on the joke, except for you know the super rich who, if they have a sense of humor, I think would love this film. Story wise, I agree, but sort of to what he's saying, where he's like, I didn't really care if people thought it funny because we thought it was funny on this on the set. It's that. That attitude, I think, can slip into a dangerous territory of just like a middle. It's just like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Well, that's, I think, an example so of that. It's, it's a very fine. Like the weird or line. Uh, 
man, woman, child, mother who doesn't speak and has the hair <laughs> fetish. Like, yeah. I think that's a good example of what we're talking about where you're like, where did this come from? It must be that's an example of what was making them giggle on set. Yeah. And that for me, like on the second viewing, like the first one time I was just so kind of like the set, I don't know what to think of it, but this time it just became this weird, just piece of this movie. Yeah. That's sort of like, I don't know. It's, it's just a part of it for me now. And I, I love it. And I've gotten over not being able to like explain or justify it. I'm just kind of along for the ride and it kind of makes the movie what it is. Yeah. And I love it for it. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. can see how like weird and off putting it is too. Right. But I that, think that's, I just yeah. go like, okay, but that's what it is. Yes. I think that's that acceptance of it <laughs> is, is the line. It's yeah. like, Am I willing to accept that they're just being almost potentially arbitrarily weird for the sake of that? Yeah. Um, and often in life, I am put off by people who are who do that in life. But it's like the, like the... I'm just gonna be a weirdo because it's right. like it's like the one time I met um, John Landis's kid. Uh, oh, who just all that recent shit came up out about. Yeah, he's had some really bad sort of PR, to say the least. But what's his name? I don't even uh, want to say his name. I know yeah. it. Anyway, so I met him at like a, a uh, what do you call that? Sort of like an opening of a store kind of thing. This like, you know, where a bunch of, you know, Hollywood people show up and like rub elbows and talk about whatever. And he made a point to sort of make himself both the center of attention by by being really but he made himself the center of attention by being as awkward and actively awkward as possible and i was like you're doing a thing right well see what are you doing when you're doing it to make people feel weird and it's but when a person does that in service of themselves they're a narcissist which he is yes but when it's a person doing that in service of a film yeah it's on behest of the film so that's my point is that i it's it's the line between what when i see that in real life and people doing it it's very off-putting to me and so when a film is doing it i'm like my knee-jerk reaction is sort of the same where i'm like oh i hate people who do that but then I'm like, but it's also not. Imagine this film as something that just exists beyond people making it, you know, which is really <laughs> hard to do. But I think that's when yeah. we're in our best movie viewing yeah, mode. Yeah. yeah. And then also just, I guess, just kind of your point talking about um the uh, the weirdness of like that the, the woman in it, the mother character as just as an example, and like how you go in reacting to that. I think since the beginning of this film, which maybe we should just get into what worked. But to continue the yeah, back and yeah, forth, yeah. Um, it starts off where it's like you're it's it, it's a dreamy setting. It's like that has the scene where he bites into the apple and yeah. is like being stalked with a knife. And yeah. like he says it's a dream. And you're like, wait, is this still the dream? Like all that stuff just sort of puts me on the ground of, OK, anything goes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Um, but should we get into yeah. what worked? Let's. What worked? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> well, 
I clearly probably have more than you, Tim. <laughs> okay, well, let's start yeah. broad. Yeah, 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 yeah. As I already said, story. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's essentially a, 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 you know, a detective noir film, like essentially. And, but this is what's the mystery of it is what's the heart of it. What's the plot is just, sorry, not plot is in plot of the movie, but the evil plot. Right. It's right. It's just my favorite thing ever. Like it's as it's to have that. What's another example of this? Like that's that's like considered amazing, of of this that, kind of surreality of horror, yeah. the body horror, like Jacob's Ladder. I don't know. Uh, or um, maybe Cronenberg I, must have a movie that's like this. I just feel like it's may probably exists more in fiction and written fiction. That's true. Yeah, literary fiction. That's like think again why I I feel so. Um, uh, hold this film in such a high regard is it seems like <laughs> oh this is a movie that I've always wanted to see like as far as this story being told okay yeah did you know that going in though like the first time it's like I mean you know it's called society and yeah, it's about yeah 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 so, so the interest was there from the get go for sure but then I think that it just you know, pushes it as far as taking these Beverly Hills elite and like what's so I use this word a lot, like cathartic to me about um, the story, this kind of story is you have this this like presentation of these elite who like they like you see them trapped in their own. Ah, oh, this is what we aspire to. This is how this is the end all, you know, kind of. What am I trying to say? I don't know. There's, there's this, there's this, <laughs> there's, mean, a, there's a facade the, yeah. that like we observe, like when we see kind of like, you know, the stereotypes that is portrayed here of rich people, but we know just as being human that that isn't some sort of end all realistic, full three dimensional portrayal of a person. So just to have that extreme of like, sure. okay, well. Since this is clearly what they're putting on, what is the underbelly that they're not showing, you know, and then the sort of that as the metaphor for this film of, well, they are an extreme, crazy, uh, sadistic, murdering sex cult, you know, <laughs> like that yeah. as sort of the uh, other side yeah. of their coin. That is the side that we're seeing. So obviously, yeah, it's the it's the metaphor. Right. And I guess to bring back, it's what's. I right. find cathartic is just sort of showing that like, okay, what maybe people sort of in a certain regard think is some sort of end all happiness of, you know, getting to this social elite and then you've won the game. How that's like, a, like if anything that we've learned from life fiction, whatever, whatever we should know is that that isn't true. Right. <laughs> so, so anything that just sort of shows that so clear, um, I, I love yeah. <laughs> that worked for me. Well, that's good. I think I agree. But mm, how do I agree with without counterpointing that? <laughs> well, maybe to to tie this into the other thing I loved about which I've already said is the camp value. Right. Like I don't think you can make a film like this anymore. It's unique to that late 80s or early 90s era. Right. Uh, whether that be the <laughs> effects, sure. 
I think the the quality, like the literal tonality of the music and sound, oh, man. the actors and how they look, um, the sort of the sort of cringe factor of a lot of the humor of like she's spraying a suntan lotion on their face, like. <laughs> oh my god you are literally listing off my list of things that didn't work (laughs) (laughs) but again that's why i try to start with this idea of i know i know how would you define camp oh man that's a good question actually um over the top bordering on caricature and taking taking behavior that taking things that make sense in sort of um, normal life, like that people would do, and and turning them up to like two hundred percent. So like this, you know, the squirting of the of the suntan lotion. It's so over the top. It's well, like nobody would ever do that. I feel like a, a good word for sort of getting at what camp is is also immature. Yeah. Which for me is like that connects to what I've talked before. I love like um, extreme highbrow, sure. lowbrow. Yeah, yeah. And I think camp sort of is in that that mode of like you can't intellect. Like well, I guess what we're trying to do right now, but you can't really intellectualize the appeal of like – or it's hard to, you know, when something's just stupid and immature, it's like it just hits you at a sort of gut level. Well, here's here's how I kind of – camp for me works in when the context of what's happening is not trying to depict a reality. Uh, not a reality. A uh, – yeah, like not trying to de- depict our real life. So it has to be, it has to acknowledge that we're in a heightened state already. But that's what this film is. I know, but... (laughs) Like the parents, oh, hello, son, hello, daughter, and the music's playing. But that's my point, is that this, there's this line of, like, the heightened state, they're saying our baseline is is the camp. Mm -hmm. And that's where it falls apart for me. So to to make the, the... same example of, of Evil Dead. The campiest parts of Evil Dead are when Ash is going crazy. And so that works for me because we're in this altered sort of mind uh, scenario where he's losing his mind. And so when the, you know, he's like laughing with the deer head on the wall and they're like dancing together and like the music, it gets crazy and he's losing shit. It's all super campy, but I like it because we know that it's kind of inside his head. Well, what's more, and we have yeah. something to, we have something outside of that that we that is more of a quote unquote grounded reality. What's, okay, what's more, camp- this never has right. the grounded reality. It's always in this goofy, like over the top. Like that's the 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 baseline is the goofy yeah. place, and I think that's why that's. For me, when camp falls apart, like if if this no, I'm basically okay. I want to get into this. <laughs> with the what did not work? I'm gonna. There is Great. an aspect of this I agree with you. Okay. Um. Well, give me but, more things that worked. Okay. 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 For you. <laughs> um. 
that. I mean, um, okay, I talked about the opening scene. How about the opening credits? Because I, <laughs> I love like I, I think you just helped put me in this movie so much when it's sure. the opening when there's the blurry, darkened, yeah. red imagery of the the shunting happening. Yeah, and you just kept going. What am I looking? At? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck am I even S- looking at? Like slimy seemingly body parts but also other things that are slimy and not body parts but could be but like what the fuck is going on i was gonna ask you to describe it so that's perfect yeah like bulbousy skin sacky like sliminess and you have stretchy and i'm like what yeah i yeah i was like so where are we where are we going okay well that's something I, I love that and just your reaction and getting me into the movie. But something I loved about it was how this movie, it sort of tells you everything up front. Yeah. But just, it doesn't show it all blatantly. Right. So it's like, it, it puts you in this place of feeling really, um, well, anticipatory. Mm-hmm. So, totally. Because like we have this opening credits that's literally showing us everything yet is just obscured enough. And then we have the the sounds of the tape of them like you know having the, the family sex orgy and you mm. have the weird shunting sounds going on that's true yeah and then you have <laughs> like only like a quarter of the way in a third of the way in the bully guy says like everything's like yeah man you know i slept with your sister and we all had oh, yeah. it. we passed her around together that's you know right. kind of thing so i don't know it was interesting how it uh it's very upfront about everything but that worked for me yeah. I mean, really, for me, the biggest thing that's working is is the the de- the deception mystery stuff. So like, um, the first big one, I guess, is when when Billy gets the tape. He hears the tape for the first time and he hears a specific thing that makes him go, holy shit. I knew it like there's this weird incest fucking culty thing going on with my family and other people in town. And he takes the tape to the therapist and the therapist says, I'll listen to it tomorrow or whatever. And then when he comes back in, there's this. It's basically it's actually gaslighting again where he's like. I listened to the tape and nothing's nothing. There's nothing. He's getting gaslit on. this whole film. That's right. kind of what I love about these. Uh, I I really feel for him. You know. And so that that deception and that sort of, oh fuck, I I'm at the mercy of this of of some force. You know, you don't necessarily know who's in on it and who's not. It's the intrigue mystery right. of that. Who can I trust? Right. I really like that because. You know, then the doctor even goes so far as to play the tape and it's totally normal. It's just them talking and he and so it's 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 always posing this question of like, fuck, am I is this me? Am I losing my shit or like am I being deceived? And he's always leaning more towards I'm being deceived, but I can't trust anybody. No. And no, nobody knows or will back me because I live in the town where everybody's in on it. Yeah. And I that construct is fucking awesome. Yeah. Right? It's it's the sort of nowhere to hide, you know, you're you're just you're fucked. Like well, you're on it, your everybody's in on it. Flight yeah. club does it. It gets us so invested too when it's like 
we have, oh, these couple friends who are helping give him the clues or whatever, but then they get killed off or whatnot too, captured. Yeah, and there's, it, I mean, the other big one is is the, like, the kid who he's like, we need to meet, and they go to Franklin Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the he finds the kid with his throat slit in the car and then runs away, gets the cops, comes back, and it's a different car and there's no dead body. Like, that's elaborate deception yeah and which which makes it so which is so i think unnerving because if you're you know in his shoes like we are as the audience we then um it's that much more proof to us that something is happening yeah yet it's that much more hard to believe for everyone else because well but also for us the audience he we are always living in this place of is he an unreliable narrator mm-hmm which is, I think that's a really fun story construct to to give your lead or your protagonist. Because he is sort of like, I mean, he says out loud, am I, you know, am I paranoid or not? I'm not paranoid, you know. Yeah. And I if you so. are, you generally, you don't know you are. Yeah. You know But he I mean? keeps you getting kinda... like his support group, his family is exactly, he says at the beginning too, I think in the opening scene, um, when he's with the therapist, he's like, I don't trust He's like, who who don't you trust, Billy? He's like, anyone. He's like, I don't trust my mom, my dad, my sister, you. Right, right. And he shouldn't, but That's he's right. told like, oh, I, you know how I hate to give you drugs? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just drug them. So that, all of that shit, I think is great. It's good story stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Very invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, like I said, it's, it's Fight Club has a whole, a lot of Fight Club turns into this. There's a whole sort of second act of this type of stuff where it's like, he is a very unreliable narrator. <laughs> like it's, we've been led down this path that there's another person who doesn't actually, well, he exists, but he's himself. Yeah. Right. The Tyler Durden character. It's like, oh shit. But the revelation of that is so intensely powerful. In this, Billy is – there's no the, – the turn of what is real and, and what's in his head is the opposite of Fight Club. It's it's the it's an external. Term. I don't know. You're you're talking this up, and honestly, I didn't see it as a big through line. It wasn't something. I was never like. I I, I think I was emotionally connect with. Oh, is he? Does he think he's crazy or not? Or does what? But the whole time, I'm like, oh, this is happening. Like, I don't look at him as an unreliable narrator, nor the film sort of playing on that. You don't. Mm, that's interesting. So even when. Things like the tape or the or the car and the murder are well, switched out. You're ju- you're just on board that that he's being deceived. Yeah, because we already heard with him the tape, tr- and he got it from a friend who who's convinced he, me. You know, I trusted that guy who looks like Mark Holton Blanchard. Who's Mark Holton? He plays Francis and oh, Pee-wee's I, you Big know, Adventure. I thought I thought it was him at first. <laughs> yeah, I, wish I was it like, was. wait a minute, is this old enough for him to look that young? Yeah. No. He's then supposed yeah. to be the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is it did enough to make me wonder that the whole time. But it, it you're right. It does not lean in at all on him potentially being crazy. Which which for me works because it's just like then you're getting caught up in this sort of frustration. Yeah. Which is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think to me is probably the most frightening thing. I've talked about this for something I'm really sensitive to, but sort of just that feeling of like, well, like what we've been talking about, you're the only one who believes the truth or can see things a certain way and no one else believes you kind of thing. Like, yeah, I don't know that that's a horrifying place right. to and be. In. <laughs> it puts the focus there by sort of not making him an unreliable narrator or playing that angle of it. Right. That's true. Which is important to me. Hmm. Can I go back to sure. camp and some other things? Move on. <laughs> sure. Um, I think like, okay. And I wanted to say when you use that evil dead example in helping to define camp for me, camp isn't so much that like the scene you described of the deer laughing mm-hmm. on the wall, is he crazy or not? But it's more when he's, you know, has, um, when he's being attacked by the torso and like you clearly, and it's clearly an effect. Like it wouldn't be camp if it looked realistic kind of thing. Okay. You know, it's the combination of aesthetics that somehow still work and committing hard to it. You know what I mean? And so an example of that in this film, I think, is really in the casting of sort of the surrounding, like the bad guys, essentially. Are you saying, maybe, are you saying that camp in a way is the acknowledgement of the goofiness? Um, Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, a, a love for it. So maybe another way of putting it is like camp is the sound, is the music cue of going upstairs. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that's camp like it's it's yeah self-referential acknowledgement of the thing right and which is like you can imagine sam raimi cracking the heck up when you when they just have this sort of fake torso that they yeah. just keep hitting bruce campbell with when he's you know it's holding the chainsaw and they're yeah, in the shed. yeah yeah like <laughs> yeah that's that or like when the cat attacks uh the the medium in uh yeah legend of hill house right or hell house yeah whichever it was yeah because it's like yeah we i mean i think that's really funny shit because we all know it's a stuffed cat like we (laughs) know that she's just holding on to it (gasps) and going "Ah!" right oh it's and i think that's an example of camp after the fact because i think that was uh, you know, <laughs> supposed to be scary. unintentional camp. Yeah, so I, I went to find camp as it having that's, to be a certain acknowledgement that's at the right. time. Yes, yeah, so it's like seeing it's like seeing the cracks and being okay with it. Yeah, which okay, well, no, because okay, maybe not. Because <laughs> here's to further try to find it. What I was gonna say is what's camp to me in this is the casting of like the dad the bully the sister and the snooty like uh, the the guy other guy running for class president the nerd with the glasses like all of them fit into camp for me in in combination with the music where it's like oh she's getting ready for her her coming out debutante thing and it's like this music is playing of this like orchestral ah isn't it all just great oh father but then combine that with that he's like you know the father's oddly massaging the yeah, daughter that, that like all thing. that crap yep yeah i think it's just over the top it's yeah. like over the top is camp mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then like dependent on the intention or the acknowledgement of the over the topness kind of is where it lands within the the umbrella of camp yeah yeah because totally. like there's often when I like when I was 
in college, you know, in in theater classes. There's a big difference between the actor who's really good but can be big, like like big, everything's big, and they're and it comes off really good because they they know how to pick and choose when to do that. And then the actor who's completely detached and just doesn't know, right? And they're doing basically the same thing, but the one who doesn't know feels like camp because they they are they think that acting is big movements mm-hmm. whereas the the good actor knows that the big movements are are motivated by something that's grounded well, and so yeah. you that's you know well i wanted to say what specifically worked for me within that is like the casting itself because I think there's a difference between like the who's cast as the dad and who's cast as the mom. Like the mom gets it. She gets the performance right. But the visual of the dad with his like blonde hair and big chin, like <laughs> yeah. that's what puts it into kind of camp for yeah. me in a way. Or it makes it work for me as sort of this um, comic book world we're watching. I use that a lot too. But I just yeah. mean that as a this is not reality. Well, and I feel like... And it's and I would have to say that this worked for me, I guess, because I feel like nobody was doing the thing. Well, was anybody doing it? No, nobody in this movie is really doing the thing, the actor thing that I'm talking about. It's not like they cast a bunch of really shitty actors who just didn't know how to act and didn't know what they were doing and just were being like bad, low grade, like line reading bad actors. They were directed and doing actually a good job of representing that yeah thing like apparently the actors. guy who played the judge was a legit actor from back in the day right and um i love the guy who played i should also mention sort of good casting the guy who's kind of character actor who plays the therapist yeah like he's he's great <laughs> right and so at first glance you you I, this is actually why i turned the movie off the first time i turned it on like six months ago or something like that probably more than that year ago and i just was like oh no i can't watch this the acting just (laughs) no it's not for me and so i just bailed on it i got Mm -hmm. maybe maybe eight minutes in and i was like nope gotta go um but in the context of the whole movie you go oh wait no that's all that's all for a purpose yeah and it's not actually bad i mean it is bad acting but it's it's actors decidedly acting badly yeah it's like the difference between this and dolly dearest you know where it's <laughs> that is trying to be like legit scary and takes right. on an unintended camp right. i think yes you yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah in actually backing away from it yes that works mm-hmm. but do i like it you'll find out <laughs> Um, some music I thought like were even though that like, yeah, effect wise, I don't know it. I thought it was doing some really good, interesting things with having this theme where like you can hardly understand if anything aside from the word society when mm-hmm. they're singing mm-hmm. it with society. But it just had this right, this perfect tone for me. Like if I if we did remake it, I'd want to carry over a lot of what the music was doing, where it has this sort of like the austereness of like ah oh, the orchestra, this you know the yeah. the choir singing, the, the the angelic voice singing, but underneath it is this sort of 
uh, this sort of wombly, gross waltz. Yes. Which so, inher- I think is inherently campy. Yeah, but it's also, it's effective, I think, for the kind of horror it is, sure. too. Where if you have all these people who are um, high society, but gleeful in what they're what they're doing and how horrible it is, that sort of works for me as this, like, Ugh, this this place to come from that's affecting horror wise to, to view it all i don't know yeah and some some more examples of that like what the music was doing i talked there's the that yeah that opening title song pretty soon pretty early you know the the blue dan danube is used at the end i love that i think it might have been the blue danube or some other famous classical piece earlier where it's pretty short but it's like it's used as a but it slowed down maybe like it sounds like 30% and it just sounds like it's it's this but not right Hmm. you know I love that and then when we get to the party scene the pool party um (laughs) there's like the party music going but like underneath the mix there's this also this weird like there's like I don't know how to do it but there's a weird synthy ooing going on that's sort of again this sort of contrast of like okay it's this teen party da 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 but it's also gross and warbly right well the thing that it kept making me think of is like it's borderline David Lynch yeah 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 it's almost there yeah some of the tones yeah but not quite the same mm-hmm. and then that makes me think oh shit like we're obviously this director is a what had david lynch done it by by 89 quite I mean, a, quite Blue a few Velvet things was his right? last thing that he did before this yeah I think, 86 it, it there is almost sort of a similarity in tone it's the satire you right um yeah so i wonder yeah I mean, yeah, David Lynch is, it comes from a, I think a more, it's, it's, it's way deeper. Yes. The sort of kind of horror it gets at, like, yeah, way more, I don't know. It's a different kind of nerdy. This sort of takes it all with a sense of like, you have to have fun with it. Uh huh. That's where it's different, you know? And maybe that's kind of what you were getting at is that sort of undercuts a certain seriousness you want to bring to this kind of criticism or satire. But for me, it just makes it kind of like, I don't know, it takes the best of both worlds where it's fun and unnerving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that by itself is really just a palette thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, <clears throat> you know, my taste wants things to be more grounded in a real world, but you can get, you can go from that real world groundedness into crazy, twisted, whatever. Yeah. But I, I, I want to have that you know oh shit this this could be this could have come from a real place yeah midsummer you know does that (laughs) where i'm like this is fucking nutso but like yeah i could i could see that right it's its own story world but at the same time you have a jumping off point right yeah totally um mention that a select line that's kind of a classic line is when um the new girlfriend uh what's her name you know clarissa oh yeah clarissa she remember when she's like seducing him how do you like your tea cream sugar or do you want me to pee in it (laughs) it's just like what 
Wait, she says that? Yeah. I fucking missed that. (laughs) (laughs) What? There. That was my reaction why I loved it. Um, (laughs) Horror moments that are not the ending, like that really got to me, was when they're, uh, even though it doesn't end up being an actual corpse, they touch the the face of what we think is the corpse of Blanchard. And it's just like the fingers go right through it. And you're sitting there, why would you touch it? (laughs) I'm like, dude, that's very inappropriate at a funeral. Yeah. You don't touch the body. (laughs) The way the fingers just go through and like green stuff comes out, it's just... (laughs) <laughs> that that got to me in a way uh, a lot of things happen. To be honest, actually, you're you're tipping into the thing that the that really works for me. The the big thing for this movie that works for me is is Mad George. You know, body horror, anybody, all the body. That's horror. why I thought this movie would have appealed to you a lot more in the end. Is just <clears throat> purely for the body horror. This is to me like one of the body horror films. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay, well, to, to skip ahead because we're almost there. Like The lump on the back when he's yeah. zipping up the dress, him seeing her in the oh, in the shower, the shower and being backwards the, the or whatever. And the breasts are in front. Yeah. Ugh. I really like that. Yeah. Um, The worms in the apple is a little like, yeah, 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 we get it. But I still like it. It works. Yeah. Um, what are the, obviously the corpse one. Is there anything else? early that's in that realm i feel like there is i feel like there was a moment that i was like oh shit i forget i can't remember either well should we let's let's move into the the ending here okay because i got a lot just for okay it i'll <laughs> talk more about the body whore so starting with just sort of the end the whole end sequence with giving him the shot you know where they uh disable where they all gather around it's just like the few of them it's the family and the therapist yeah and they give him the shot billy the shot that to me is just the the complete and this continues up through the whole ending so i'll just say this is like maybe an overall thing that makes me love the ending or in a horrifying truly horrific way disturbing way is like the utter certitude with which they're carrying things out like there's no there's no wiggle room that they're somehow in the wrong or it's mm. just like the most like dehumanizing thing. Like for me, where, you know, it's like, well, they're all like fired up about it. Yeah. Too. And it's, it's like, I think that's what's sort of, it's the, like revelatory, like, right. Yay, that's the sort of sick are. appeal and why the metaphor works so well is like, you know, we have, yeah, because of this, uh, wealth disparity, it's true. You know, the, mm-hmm. the rich sucking off the poor. Yeah. So does have it, but, th- but that, that's disconnected from reality. Yeah, or, you know, that's that's it's not disconnected from reality. It's, it's disconnected to their observable reality. When they're sitting there at the country clubs. Right, right. Like, and they have, you know, the, the people who make however much money less, you know, working there or the people in the, you know, in, in Los Angeles where, you know, you go a block and all of a sudden. Yeah. You're in a Squalor. whole different world. Yeah. It's, um... It's a foregone conclusion. It's, it's, I hate that. Right. It's a, like to have, but then to have it. So we're rather than sort of being, pretending to be in the kind of like, what is it in Hunger Games? The, the what do they call the citizens or the, you know, you have the districts and the capital, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they're the capital, right? Right. So to have that sort of where they are seeing the, the, the lower class head on 
and taking glee in that, as I said before, yeah. and putting them down as like, oh no, we aren't just in a bubble about it. We know about it and are actively taking delight in that disparity. Well, and unfortunately, this reminds me of the the comp the the comparison that comes to mind is super unpleasant, which is the um the the slave uh fight scene in Django Unchained. Mm-hmm where like DiCaprio's slaveholder character is auditioning two guys to to two slaves to fight and it's just it's for pleasure it's this sort of like well, let's see which one is stronger and bigger and going to win the fight and and the 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 dismissive joy that he has over this thing cuz they're just two underling animals in his mind yep. they are not human at all and this is for his pleasure. That's exactly, only. I think, yeah, that's that, a good that, comparison. Slavery is such a, like, uh, it's to, yeah, be considered not human. Yeah. But what's worked, again, this metaphor is that they are literally in this a different species. So it says, you aren't us. We'll make it even more unpleasant. That was the way that the, the white elite looked at slaves yeah they believed them to be a different species and, i mean this works so well as that the racism metaphor because think of it, they're all white right and it plays off that so well in a horror sense because in order for their the melding of the skin to happen it's like all a white mass oh, yeah. you know it's all yeah. white skin blending together into one uniform blob it was a smart lighting choice too to give it this sort of this wash of yellowy redness because then everything even more so is blending together into one tone i mean that's skipping ahead but i i love that so much when we actively see the lights changing color and then the blue danube kicks in tim that's like why i want to own this movie like that's everything (laughs) to me it's just like just get that scene having that as a sequence well to get the scene i gotta buy the Mm blu-ray it's like yeah to have that change on screen and then have that twisted version of the blue danube kick in and it's just like then their smiles and glee kick in it's just like oh this is everything that only film can do for me i loved it so much okay the, well the wet keep, the to, wet cigar yeah <laughs> to keep going in order of the ending um i and and this this continues that sort of horror of like keeping the victims uh, in the dark or not considering them as people where it's like they only they only tell him anything it's not like they have some sort of big reveal of like cluing him in willingly of they're they're just sort of like already in their own world of oh this is what we're doing da, 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 da. and they um they're making you know in jokes amongst themselves mm-hmm. like when he answers it uh when he asks them directly you know what's going on they only what did they say oh like oh you know uh, there's no business like show business you know that's sort of all they tell him they don't tell him exactly what they are that they're not aliens you know but are they aliens? Well, he thinks so because something else I loved is he, he he's just like insane and calling them you alien scum. Right. And then after he gives his little his short little talk of like actually we aren't aliens, not quite that. He just still yells you alien scum like he doesn't even hear them. <laughs> yeah. He's just they are alien yeah. scum to him no matter what. It's all his brain can uh, accept and translate right. it as. I love that. Um. 
And then it's called, I think, uh, I watched the, the Joe Bob Briggs in her titles. You did? This. Um, you know, I watched this movie twice. This, I watched it the night when we watched it. And we watched it with Joe Bob <laughs> yesterday morning. Um, but he called that thing that's like the the like the horse cattle oh, loop yeah. thing. Yeah. That's, he called that a twitch. Have you heard that term? Uh, I don't think so. Right? I've seen the thing before, but I didn't know yeah, that's what it's called. That's what it's called. But that is just furthers that, like, talking about dehumanizing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like... It's enough when it's on him, but then when they bring in Blanchard and he has the sheet over his head and that's connected to him, it's like, oh, God. Yep. Are we going to get to the my favorite part? Yes. Wait, wait. Hi. I have... uh... I love, sorry, still go in order. Okay, good. The built-in hierarchy of this too, like fits into the horror of the society where it's like the therapist introduces the mm-hmm, judge and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be, oh, he's somehow esteemed right. and then play that all up with a cigar in his mouth kind of thing. I'm getting too old for this. Like, yeah, that there's a hierarchy built into this. Um, uh, oh, then seeing... Uh, to kind of the payoff of these different characters you've seen through the film. There's the character Petri, who's like the geek guy running for class president. To see him at the party, I just love that as like that character is part of the society. Of course, yeah. That was really fun and satisfying. Talked about them being... Oh, and then just to sort of plant, like it didn't need to do anything more, but just the line. Oh, you know, uh, we got an internship for you this summer in Washington. Right. It's like, that's all you need to just sort of turn the satire up so many notches. Yeah. Of like, how big does this go? Is it all of government? That totally... Ugh, it's great. Right. Um, The word shunting. And then that's... Yeah, did... did what it is. What is that? That's... It's an invented... That's what they're doing okay, in it. they just made that up. It's yeah, but not that's, a reference to I love something. that so much. Like, this was... Uh, I mean, this is, you know, skipping ahead to things of note, but this was inspired by um the idea of shunting was inspired by a salvador dali painting oh um, right yeah 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 i saw yeah, that called the great masturbator of course <laughs> right um <laughs> but that it came from this invented place in a way i don't know i i just love that like and that it's fully and that they don't just sort of shy away from it they fully embrace it by having the society members say like oh you know what they have their things. Oh, it's something about the hunt. Get on with the shunt. And right. they're just using it. And when they first said it, sort of, you're, you're like, what did he say? Yeah. But just to sort of, yeah, go to the accent. Then um, I think now we're at what maybe is getting to your favorite moments here. But one of like the effects. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely see the effects. It's like they're still great. But the one towards the beginning that like actually got me is when their fingers on a butt and the fingers oh, go through it yeah, like it's a liquid it. yeah, and that, that sort of just sells what's going on so well right Ugh. yeah they're melding together it's fucking weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then of course yeah we get to the judge going after uh the mark holton looking guy and like i loved tim this was something that's in my like st- if you've looked at my like old college films and stuff a style thing i love and share with Brian Usna is like these shots of the judge and them like looking straight on at camera and close up and kind of mm-hmm. talking at us. And that's when he goes into whatever he says um, before. And then when he says, now we'll get to the bottom of this. And then that's the big build up. And his hand goes. I mean, I, I love mouth. a dad joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Butthead. And he's making like fart noises, too. Yeah. Like with his face. Yeah. Oh, man. It's it's right on the line for me. 
Um, Where yeah, it's but- like, I like it and I want to laugh at it, but I'm also like rolling my eyes at it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just got to get with it. Well, I got with it when he called his dad a butthead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you mean yeah? Way before that became the, yeah. the, there was the payoff to that. You were, I remember that was so great, Tim. You were just like butthead, <laughs> like what he's calling his name. Use the word butthead. I was like the most, the highest level of pleasantly shocked by this, like incredulously shocked by it in a, in in a good way. And like, it came back twice. The reference like, to him butthead. saying, "Yeah, <laughs> what? That's what you called him." But is he Bart uh-huh. Simpson or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the but the callback to it that that is great for yeah. me. For me, that's the highlight. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at our Instagram, you'll see a picture of me looking at his dad's head in the butt. Oh yeah, I'll post that then. Um, <laughs> even then, when it gets to then, they're, he's being pursued. I mean, that's great that the family is just off on their own, just having their own little family orgy that they can have any day of the week. Just what? Cause. What is going on with that it's sequence? Just it's just because it's such true. They're love. all just melded together in this very bizarre way. With the hands are the legs, and the sister's head is between the hand legs. Yeah. that are the mom's, but the mom has no arms, and the dad is a face coming out of a butt. So that funny. whole thing, I was just like, my brain fell apart. That's why I loved it. Yeah. Um, and but you have the therapist then kind of pursuing him, who then like turns into two giant hands and gets his Joker <laughs> mouth. The fucking, like, what is up with the Joker mouth? It's great. But I mean, I, I just was like confused at that point. It's like, well, it's just, it's just sort of establishing these rules of how they're, they can just meld and shift. So it's just sort of is paying that off. Like... I feel like the I feel like they had just watched Batman eighty nine. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, let's just do that thing. <laughs> right. It, that's why I say it's or straight they, up like, the Joker yeah. mouth. It like yeah. Freaky. Weird. <laughs> what the fuck? Um and then like, yeah, the okay. The the judge turning into a full pizza the hut flesh blob. And has the cigar in his mouth, and it's the twisted circus music playing, and then it's just sort of like, it's the full, full like, um, flesh and bodies with the tendrils between yeah. them. Ooh, you know the what? Eyeballs else? in the mouth. That sequence made me think champagne of. on each other. Yeah, like into weird cavities yeah. that exist. That sorry, that's just my. That's again just everything yeah. to me. That's yeah, full I'm, doing I'm with it. that. That scene. That moment of like the progression of that scene really, really reminds me of the the kind of demonic sequences in Cal- Caligula. There are these like underworld orgy I haven't seen scenes. <laughs> I want to. Blow. Well, that movie is fucking crazy. It's it's crazy. I don't even know how to put it. Um, but it there. I mean, and there's full on like sex going on it's 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 border i mean it's basically pornography in mm-hmm. in these scenes um but it has that same sort of thing where it's just like slippery bodies all over each other with like i think in caligula like some of them have like um bull heads and like you know what i mean there's there's like centaur type stuff going on. it's like super crazy i haven't seen it in like 20 years but it has that same vibe of just body parts all over the place, twisting around well, each other, and it's the very way unpleasant. Talk, yeah, 
what you're talking about that and sort of displaying orgies like that it's it gets at this sort of i think that there's a deep deep horror in there that's in this of where's the line or the gray area or whatever of when pleasure is taken too far exactly kind of thing like like the the excess in pleasure because like to then say oh no this is this is taking orgies to the level of bodies literally melding right. and so sort of anything can become an orifice so <laughs> yes you, you know <laughs> yeah so, an orifice that wants that champagne yeah so there's a deep i don't know that's this it's something really unsettling that line okay what is too far people like when does it end mm-hmm. you know but at the same time it's like that but then you know we we get in our our paradox loops of yeah but we're we're here to have a good time everyone's sure. doing it voluntarily like it's all consensual <laughs> yeah um but yeah. it's just sort of this horror of like is is it when's it you know is it ever too much you'll know the next morning <laughs> yeah cuz you'll feel real weird right there's always a, a flip side <laughs> to it which these people don't have the flip side that's right the yin to their yang is uh the the everyone you know the lower society being put down right it's their pleasure at the expense of others pain again the horror yeah and how about how how he defeated his bully <laughs> okay yes it's are we is this your last one uh Yes, aside from the ending moment, as okay. far as the sequence, yeah, that's what ends it, is the bully being pulled inside out. Right. I'm on board with it. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I like his insides. Yeah. But they're not human insides, right. so there's that big question. There are these like, weird, weird the like, sinewy, wormy bits, which yeah. we see at one point someone's just delighting and eating Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty gross. I mean, but, but good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's okay. Great. I don't know what's more to say about that. If okay. you've seen it, you hopefully have. It's excellent. <laughs> if um, you haven't seen it and you're listening to this still. Yeah. Fuck. Um, what are you getting out of this conversation? Well, well, well. That leads into, I mean, I, t- like, I loved the ending like I think you were saying it doesn't come together in a certain way I don't know if you're talking about the last moment but not exactly this was the perfect ending for me where it's like kind of the best ending no matter what the genre type of film is where it's some sort of middle ground we get the satisfaction of him escaping with his friends and winning this fight um yet this society is still just going and as strong as ever like no one's gonna believe him he doesn't really have the upper hand in any way aside no. from what they can do alone not because everybody in a position of authority is in on it anyways so right you're fucked so exactly so i don't know that's just the perfect ending for me for this kind of film where it's just leaving it off that sort of immediate note of we've had this big enough sequence to sort of offer a big you know satisfying climax and then we've had that little you know then the the actual sort of final fracas between the two of them as something to build to the effect of him pulling him inside out but yeah sorry sorry i already said that just that just what i already said it's the thrill of the escape and the the horror of they are still alive and active yeah great cool well should we go on about what else worked tim <laughs> because we keep going what else worked 
I know, I know. I think you're ready for I'm what ready. did not work. I'm ready. I, I, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, okay. Is there anything else I had, Ryan? Um, I hate giving you drugs. You can always trust me. <laughs> that comes back. You want me to pee in it. <laughs> okay, okay, just real quick. <laughs> just, okay, the, the beach stuff. It's just one of those scenes where it's like, what, what is this movie? You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> it weirdly works for me. I don't know why, but because there's so much apparently on the surface that isn't working. And I think that's sort of indicative of like, when I first see this film, you're just like, what is this movie? But like, I don't know what I wanted to say, except for whatever weirdness that's hard to pin down in sort of the, uh, the, this, the, the sort of surrounding moments, I guess you could say, of this film, they do in the end work like, for me. <clears throat> like him running into the mom on the <laughs> yeah. beach. This is the first time we've seen her, and she yes. just is like standing there. And oh, right. And her. that mom character. Yeah. So, what the fuck? That works for me. <laughs> what that mom character is, is this kind of that weird, immature, nonsensical Mad Magazine humor, maybe? Yeah, for sure. It works for me. Okay, Tim, fine. What did not work? <laughs> It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> so I, I almost want, uh, it's not exactly the same, but I wanted to pull a kind of a Ryan in that like the pulling the guy inside out works for me, but it also doesn't work for me because the judge had just put his hand up through somebody and it's the doubling up of such a intense gag undercut the 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 second time for me it was like that was part of the payoff if he used this knowledge of being able but did to he like see that that one maybe he did he, remember, I mean, the whole time they're like, He's watch kinda, what happens. That's, to, that's true. But he could have been running upstairs at that point. Yeah. I don't remember. I just remember thinking like, I, or yeah, I thought I would, I would think I would have liked that solve, like the victory of that better if I hadn't already seen. It, 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 in it other words, we should have a clear been, reaction of him seeing it when it first happened. Yeah, it could have been that. It could have also been if the first time we see that it's it's just a little different, like it's a it's one notch less of a version of what he ultimately does, which I guess it is because he pulls the guy inside out. So that's more. Yeah. But yeah, I just was like, oh, bummer, because this is the whole thing that like the point of actually me being into the movie. It just felt undercut by that right. double up. It's weird. So there's, this is totally rhyming it where it's like, yes, things worked for me that also didn't work for me. And maybe it's the more the first viewing that didn't work for me, but it was like, I agree. There's just some sort of beats or plot holes or just things to be made clear that would have helped sure. me. Oh yeah. Like um, the, uh, the biggest one for me, the only one I really had was like, how he willingly goes back home after the hospital and why do they put him in the hospital in the first place? Why not they just inject him and keep him there? Like why, why? Yeah. was it just to declare him dead to get him declared dead by the hospital? Yeah. Why did they inject him yeah, and not just keep him there? That whole sequence is weird. 
Like the logic of it is yeah, really, really cannot, all over the place. Again, now that sort of weird thing is something that I just accept and kind of love about it. But at the same time, you know, in at a point to an extent did not work. So I got to mention it. Yeah. It's almost like there was the moment of the friend, you know, finding him at the hospital and, and then Billy's kind of just dismissive mm-hmm. and he's like, you're supposed to be dead and he's and billy's like yeah whatever and he like jumps in his jeep and drives away and i thought what was going to go on is that he had now that he was sort of a replaced billy like he was a body snatched mm-hmm. sort of billy and or that's I, part of their process but he but escaped he, he, yeah but we got like it, i'm like how did he get out we didn't get any of it it's like there's a right. missing scene or something yeah it's really weird it does feel like there's a missing scene. Is that like the, at the hospital is when they make the fake bodies to fake their death and they need the actual bodies to do it somehow? It's like, what? Yeah. Because then that wasn't, there's also the moment where the kid go, the friend goes in and he's about to pull the sheet off of a corpse to mm-hmm. see if it's in the. And That's he, Billy doing that. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Because he gets caught by the nurse. After he talks. Oh, and that's when he goes, no, 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 no. That's the friend who says that. Oh, okay. Wait, man, I'm like mixing these two moments up. Me too. Me too. Either way, that whole sequence just, it, it's, yeah, it's actually what you're saying. It's like, why and what does it accomplish? Mm -hmm. Other than just being like. Making the ending more, just getting us out of the house for a little bit, adding more running time to it. Yeah, I was like, so his, and I was just sort of, it was funny, his motivation where he goes, um, what is he, oh yeah, once he finally gets uh, back to the parents, and like, even though the friend's kind of like, oh, don't go back there or whatever, uh, he gets to the parents and he's like, has the, does he have a knife or whatever, some weapon, and he goes, I want to have a chat with you, and that's when the lights come on and all the society people grab him and put the thing around his neck. But it's, that whole time I'm kind of like, what is his motivate? Is he's like going to expose them or is he just kind of like, he's just going to rant at the parents and try to attack them with a knife? Like what is he doing exactly? I, I think this is actually the biggest problem with the movie. Like regardless of how, how you feel about the execution of, of the acting or this directing or the scenes or whatever. But from a story point of view, Billy is, he's he's weirdly unmotivated like nothing he does really is he's not really taking action in any way he's kind of this passive just along for the ride protagonist and it doesn't it just doesn't work it i mean it works kind of because the movie is sort of this weird thing anyway so you you're like all right sure yeah but in a better executed or or a differently executed movie you would be like what the fuck like this doesn't work like why would he do that any of that while there's the part of me that's just like i get down for (laughs) like the 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 casting of this type of like actor is super 80s hair and everything um (laughs) the hair dude and so so what I thought the first time, and I'll still think, you know, again, I wouldn't want to change anything, but at the same time to change it to, I think, make it better on multiple levels to for what you're saying as far as, um, and this is more connecting back to what you're saying about like needing sort of 
some sort of baseline in order to then jump off into camp right is you switch the actors who play billy and the friend the friend who's like the one who's with him at L- the end little nerdier yeah, yeah. It, that fits like the sort of more relatable classic 80s character yeah who yeah, i think we is more the audience surrogate for this kind of film and era of film like yes but billy fits so well as he's perfect casting as the friend though you know what i mean like huh he's he's the kind of like the the friend you want to convince and bring along for the ride but he's not very like relatable aside from that he doesn't really sort of uh get across an inherent intelligence he's kind of just well he's like yelling about things and, and not really making any sense it's hard to ever sympathize with whatever his train of thought is you know but I don't know, with the kind of more, um, yeah, with the nerdy 80s guy who I think, uh, the, the, the guy who played the friend would have been perfect. Um, it could have been, we would have had the grounding and a bit more um, sort of a, a character where we can have a through line sort of figuring out this mystery with a lot better. Well, and the whole idea of Billy not being their actual son and feeling that feeling like I don't belong here would work more. Yeah. If that, if the friend character, the actor who was the friend was, was Billy. Right. Rather because than he having would like be even more different... this sort of disconnected. He's, a, he's, he's right. not cool. He's, he's not All it is, is he's not blonde. He's not this, blonde. It, no, right? in, in this version, no, right. it's just that he's not blonde, but yeah, have him be, yeah, not athletic, not popular, blah, 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 blah. When they're trying to force Billy into this, like, so he's, more popular than the nerd character running at the, for the president, but also doesn't quite fit in. It's like do one or the other. Yeah. It's like, he can't be the jock popular guy, but also the, the outsider. It's like, you could go for a more interesting character and have him be like, um, uh, James Franco in freaks and geeks kind of thing where he's like the, 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 the pretty boy but also is kind of like clearly uh the, the freak too you right know, an outcast character the geek freak um, yeah i mean i think what's important to the character is this sense of not belonging yeah right? the overarching theme of like to be a part of society you need to fit into this crazy thing that, mm-hmm. that they are asking for and he's always been on the outside of that whether he knows why or not he's that's his big sort of internal question he's like yeah do i belong here why don't i relate to my parents what's going on with them why is everybody looking at me weird it doesn't and that when he's asking those questions it just doesn't resonate with his persona exactly and his hair (laughs) yeah his persona fucking hair dude what did I say at one point? You said amazing or incredible or something or that ridiculous. Ha- yeah, that hair is fucking. Yeah, I don't remember what it Outrageous. is. Outrageous. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it really is. Holy yeah. shit. Did you feel like he, like that actor feels like he, I couldn't quite pinpoint who, I think he's an amalgamation kind of, of like Charlie Sheen. Tom Cruise, I mean, you know, 80s versions of these people, like Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen-ish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise-ish. He's like, was he on Baywatch or something, this actor? Yes. He was. Okay, so I have seen him before. Okay. Some um, three seasons, I believe. Yeah, I, I, yeah I was like, I've, I know this dude. Um, I, li- I watched some Baywatch in my life. Of course. Um, 
It was on at four o'clock after school. Huh? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I I think that's a big it. You know what movie does essentially what this movie is right and really leans on the I'm the different one. I'm the I'm the outsider is get out. It's essentially the same story in a way it's interesting you say get out because that in this compare stories i was talking about this yesterday with um a friend about society just watched it and he's like loved it and he immediately compared it to get out as far as why society worked for him and why get out doesn't he said oh okay he, he said get out um it it didn't go far enough like when it introduces mm. these sort of like you have these rules of a world where you don't really know it's like okay so they're like taking bodies somehow and like what's the science of it okay well in order to sort of not get hung up on those questions it sounded like he needed it to go a lot lot further interesting to take horror the horror of it the extremity the over the topness like that should what they set up and get out should have been a jumping off point for that where he said like movie like society actually delivers that in the end okay I, I I see just to represent I see that voice. That voice. Yeah, yeah I, I see where he's going. I think I think for me the difference in opinion is based on what we were talking about earlier of like I want things to live in this grounded reality mm-hmm. and get out does. And it and if it were to go as far as society, it would almost break down. I think though that's the challenge Maybe. is you you establish <laughs> that the reality that get out does then that's what allows you to escalate, escalate, escalate. Like, I kind of, I, I don't know, I agree yeah. with him more than I don't, actually. Like, I still love Get Out for what it was, and I think that would have been that much of a risk. But, like, in the end, I think, uh, yeah, man, go big. Well, right. They kept it in this sort of contained thing, which I think serves Get Out in insofar as the, the main themes that it's yeah pointing at. But, I mean, so. the, you know, on reflection, it was still great. It was super tense Get Out as far as this the the th- but it was simply a thriller by the mm-hmm. ending of him just escaping i agree that that is the the that section of the movie the escape is the least satisfying of that movie for it, me. again in the moment when you're yeah. watching it it's satisfying because it is well done and tense and the, the sure. brother getting in and all that but as far as just what you're doing with the horror mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. what you can only do in horror and like make this huge c- c- keep it escalating like society yeah. does and texas chainsaw does and all the greats do poltergeist with its fourth act you know right like, right right that's interesting okay yeah i can see where he's coming from but yeah so for me the the point that i'm getting at i guess is simply making the the making your protagonist really really at minimum feel like an outsider and you can help yourself as yeah. the the filmmaker by casting that appropriately. Now I get kind of I get why they cast him the way they did cuz he is a representation of that world yeah, as he, well. He works as that sort of what they say is like what the director said it being a a as not a critique so much but like a play a, a sort of spoof on 80s teen comedies yeah commentary like, again of. like he's he's does work for that world but so do the nerdy types right so, because uh you know what's the let's say breakfast club 
it would be the Anthony. Yeah, I want Anthony Michael, Michael Hall to star in this. Star in this, not right. Emilio Estevez's character. Exactly. Yeah, that's really what they chose. They chose the jock to be the lead instead of the the nerd. Yeah. And that, uh, I'd yeah. rather have the yeah. the, the yeah, jock yeah, picking up the, the slack. Then, starring. then when you have the the class president debate, it would be the nerd. The lead would be the nerd. And he'd be debating against the dumbass jock. Right. Who is good who casting is, too? the actual jock in it. Right. The bad guy. So like that makes more sense to me from a story point of view and to get on board with the character. That's my other big thing that didn't work is part of why I can't get into this movie is because I cannot relate to Billy. Yeah. At all. In any way. Even though I understand intellectually his plight. I can't like I relate right. to him. I'm and like that's where it almost is like shut up. I know. Like See, you're being is... a fucking like a privileged prick. Right. Shut the fuck up. This is where it works and didn't work for me too. Because as I said, like I wouldn't want to change it for what the movie is. Yet here I am saying just do the switch, and it would have been yeah that much better. Yeah. A couple other things that didn't work for me. I get why all of these things exist, but like there are there are wardrobe things that I'm just like, what are we doing? Like it's what? maybe it's just the time and the style. I feel like that's his gray part of... suit pants. All of that was just... are the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> they are too long and too wide, and they make his body look fucking shorter than it already is. I mean, maybe I'm like. I'm channeling my own inner like <laughs> short leggedness, <laughs> but fucking hell, dude, he looks like so dumpy. <laughs> I mean, all that for me is again like that's that's the. Uh, I'm looking at the poster here too, and like the on the poster, it's definitely not him. <laughs> um, it's a guy in a tux, and he looks he like, looks what? all right, even though the style was pretty bad then. Everything was a little too baggy. Um, but yeah, that it's, it's that thing. It's that for me, it's that line between making it goofy because that's part of the f vibe of the movie you're making and separating the goofy from like, I think he should progressively become less goofy yeah, as a character. he's learning or something as and he's he, and, and And aesthetically, he doesn't. He's growing somehow. Right. And and I think that I, I want that. That would help me get in with him as a character. Yeah. If I was watching him kind of even just visually, like if his hair was less fucking ridiculous. How he treats his other girlfriend is horrible. Yeah. Like he, we're supposed to get on board with his sort of struggle or whatever, but they... They kind of undercut our ability to do that by not having him as a character progress in some way. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just visually, I mm -hmm. would be like, at least that's something. Um, but it just doesn't it just doesn't happen. And then that sort of brings like to the bigger one of the payoff of that final thing. I think it's just that I that scene is amazing, but I still am like. But what 
we've spent the whole movie wanting some sort of like answer to the question of of whatever the question is like what the fuck's going on but we see it fully this is what's going on but I don't know what the what is. But that's the horror. That's guess, why it's good, yeah. like Lovecraftian horror. This is honestly, it is probably yeah. the next. I mean, I haven't seen a lot out there, but this is like up with them. The best Lovecraftian horror. Mm-hmm. The horror is, it like oh, got to me so much. The line where he's like, "We, you know, no, we aren't exactly aliens. We're something else." Sure, that's the horror. Oh, the something else to think oh we don't want to walk away from a horror film thing oh yeah so at the end they are just that we want to feel no i this weird yeah i agree flesh melding different species somehow like i just i think maybe maybe what it is is that i don't think that billy gets it he just i know he just seems so dumb at that he's just like oh we aren't aliens you alien scum that's probably what it is i need to see him go this is what would it be like well, he something could, he i need could him call to... them alien scum and again if this was the nerd character would probably be the reaction they say oh we aren't that and then we just see a sort of a look of horror that's beyond words of just scream you know whatever yeah or some or some sort of statement like i guess killing the other dude is i don't the care statement. what you are <laughs> But like a, even just a physical statement of like he try I don't know like I want him to burn it down yeah and he just runs away yeah that's what it is it's the running away of of well, his character they that made I'm it like more oh. of a, a final fracas of because it's weird they're kind of like subduing him but they don't seem too concerned about Ooh, him like, I just had a crazy thought you know you know you want to see your lead character especially in this kind of context of like. You're fucked kind of no matter what. I want to see a version where he can't get away and they are starting to shunt with him. Yeah. And that gets interrupted by by the outside world in a way that makes them have to fall back in line with their sort of uh, the, the appearance of everything's normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or I and, just think use that that girlfriend character who's is one of their species, but then goes to on Billy's side. Like make sure. make a bigger thing of the friend coming to a rescue in the police outfit, and then the girlfriend who switches sides. Like use all that versus just them kind of okay. Okay, he won his freedom. Let's get out. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like there's there's a space in there that could hammer home both the idea of like they they're kind of everywhere in the elite world but they still have to keep up appearances to something to somebody and that there's the new cop who's working for them or something yeah yeah i don't know i think this is becomes problematic because then it's like you would have to kind of introduce a different character and that changes the movie but but I just think the 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 instinct is how fucked up would it be if if right at the moment of him being completely fucking like he's gonna well, let's see. be assimilated or die or whatever right. he's gonna do that 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 gets interrupted and and he's just left there to and they all just go back to being normal right and they're like I'm sorry officer like what what's the I issue? think when we're talking about the remake let's introduce right? the new cop character who then yeah exactly as you're saying and shows then Billy up. has to be like. I 
the the despair that you would see of him being like how do you articulate what just happened exactly exactly he'd be like i don't i'm they were they're alien scope the thing there's nothing he could say which is indicative of the bigger problem we the non-rich are powerless to the rich mm-hmm. right that that concept would be so much more like tragic i guess You're right and then to keep up with the post aughts uh trope kill the cop then and there you know kill exactly the yeah exactly and then he can get he can have his fight and get away but yeah mm-hmm. it's it's um what does uh, Blake Snyder call that? It's sort of the high tower surprise part of the third act where it's like, you know, you think it's the second time everything is fucked. Yeah. Uh, and then that gets that turns you in it, during the third act. It's sort of like if you break the third act into its own three acts, it's the it's the break into the third act of the third act, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak, if you can wrap your head around that. Um but yeah. No, it could use a little more structure. The ending, it's just kind of like, okay, he like runs upstairs and kind of gets away for a bit and then gets trapped again. And it's just yeah. kind of like, okay. Yeah, the, I guess there's the there's a lacking catharsis in like sticking it to the 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 society mm-hmm. that I think you, well, I want, I guess. I don't know if other people want that, but I want it. So not having it is where I think I left going. Yeah, okay. Things of note yet? Yeah, do it. Yeah, right. no, I'm going. We, we sort of touched on the the, <laughs> the broad things of like, yeah, it's just a ta- a lot of it's a taste issue for me. Yeah. All right, things of note. Things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. Already mentioned, inspired by the Dali painting, great masturbator. Mentioned Billy Warlock was on Baywatch, but he was also on before this five different soap operas, apparently. Nice. Um, I just had Clarissa's mom written down, who's the character we already touched on. I mean, just (laughs) that in like, what is like, talk about you saying what is, you know, using the horror of the the ending of what's going on. And that's a good thing. (laughs) Like, what is what is the mom? You know, be cool (laughs) is if in the ending, you know, is the mom one of them? It's like hard to know. That's, well, she's the Clarissa's mom who is one of right. them. But she's like. And she's Clarissa's sort of deriding her like, use your brain for once. You know what would have been really fucked up and really Lovecraftian is if in the end when if Billy was like about to be shunted and whatever. if that Because mo- that mom weird character is there and we don't know what the fuck's going on. What if she just turned into like a fucking giant like Cthulhu like squid monster yeah. and started fighting with them. And she- it was just like. It's like that would have been great too. What the fuck? Because she's she's sort of a mark of oblivious indifference. She doesn't see things as good or bad. She just is a weird hair fetishist. So she could just sort of she could have transformed to this big Cthulhu thing and ripped off all their scalps. You yes. <laughs> that I can't even tell you how on board I would be for that. <laughs> we got to remake it, people, if Fucking you're listening. Shit. Let us write write it. Uh <laughs> Clarissa's oh yeah I said Clarissa um and then who played Cl- Clarissa Devin De Vasquez you know she was a June 85 playmate oh okay um I see that here yeah and she uh 
more recently, she helped those affected by Hurricane Katrina by creating Devon's Kick-Ass Cajun Seasoning mm. and offering it through her business, nice. Devron Enterprises. Uh, it's interesting that gossip, we didn't she... see her. We didn't. Oh, yeah, we did see her boobs. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it'd be, it was interesting thing... that we didn't. It's a thing of note. <laughs> we didn't see the Playmates worked. boobs. <laughs> uh Celebrity gossip. She dated Sylvester Stallone at the time of this film <laughs> and dated pr Prince before that. Ooh. Um, so she's got a type? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I always thought Sylvester Stallone was more of an intellectual than he lets on in his archetype. Like the way. Yeah. He, no, he, I think that's yeah. true. Like when you hear him speak yeah. his quotes, uh, the fact that he wrote Rocky and how yeah. he got it made. Um. Uh, the he's short. Yeah, Prince is short. <laughs> yeah, short intellectual types. There you go. Where's my Devin? Um, all right, co-writer. <laughs> <laughs> Just slip that right in. <laughs> um, co-writer co Woody Keith grew up in Beverly Hills. This is what Joe Bob was saying. So first, uh, later he said. Uh, he thought it was horrifying. Woody Keith said that these people, you know, who are like the bad guys were based on people he knew. But then he also said, which is, you know, it's it's fun and fine. You have just visually or whatever. That's who he is, how they carry themselves. But he, he let on. I wasn't sure how much he kind of meant this was legitimate, but that he literally believed that some of these people were aliens. Maybe or maybe not. Uh-oh. He's down, he's down that lizard people right. rabbit hole. One of the co-writers. Uh -oh. Which, like, you imagine, Tim, <laughs> if this is your whole world, like, yeah. your brain must go crazy places to try to justify how and why people are doing this. Like, if, if, if your brain is a brain that is not prone to just the assimilation of the, yeah. of the um, you know, or indoctrination or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. To that way of looking at the world <laughs> and coming off um uh you know with the writers so the original script is a completely different movie but when um yuzna came on board it was just a blood sacrifice cult ending that's what it built to versus a shunting thank god they didn't do that right because <laughs> that's you know at that point 89 we've we had gotten 50 yeah. of those movies but yuzna brian yuzna was like no i'm just more interested in the sort of um the uh well like the dali influence mm -hmm. just sort of the weird and inexplicable so yeah yeah that's that cool direction which i think we're all thankful for um billy warlock he uh had a <laughs> that's a fucking that's, crazy right, stage his name. name's billy in the, the his yeah. character's name is Billy. Well, they just needed to make it easy for him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because apparently he didn't know what was going on, and Brian Yuzno would just respond with "doesn't matter" on set, like whenever well, that he's... showed. Right. Um, I can't it's sad because that it worked for the direction they went with, even though it wasn't our favorite. Is he was this sort of bumbling yeah. moment but to he, moment guy look i'll give this this dude a lot of credit because he's working really hard in this movie like he's trying really he's hard emoting, to make yeah. some make some you know performance and and make like invest in that performance it right contextually comes off as really dorky kind of cheesy that alien almost. scum line is perfect he delivers it with all his heart yeah, that's right but <laughs> but like they did not help him with the 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 trappings of the character around you know the hair the costume so, etc etc billy warlock had a bit part in halloween 2 
um, oh, yeah. you know, the original. And um, his dad, it was probably because his dad was a stunt person who played Michael Myers in Halloween too. Whoa. Yeah. Shit, dog. Um, you know that we're going to get like the third Halloween 2? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Except that we're in the continuity of the first one. So technically the last one we watched was Halloween 2. I but heard they didn't that. Call it Halloween 2 and now they're going to call the sequel to that Halloween this, 2. And this gets even more confusing because the and Halloween the remake, the, the non-Rob Zombie, the new remake, Halloween 2018, 19. The one we watched. Yeah. Yeah. So that retconned everything except for the first one, apparently. Correct. Right? But apparently, this is rumors maybe. But that they went um, and tried to get Paul Rudd to reprise his role. Was it from like Halloween four or six or five or whatever? <laughs> what? Which would mean they that... they would be then retconning their first one because the first one is supposed to be a retcon of everything else. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> that they're retconning something by they're retconning that it retconned. Yes. Anyway, that's holy fuck. My brain just shattered. That's why I wanted to share that. (laughs) Um, The mansion that they shot at, we were guessing um, it was Beverly Hills, but it was actually in Pasadena because that's where apparently the bigger mansions are. That yeah, I can see that. And that's uh, where um, that mansion itself was sold to the it the the city of Pasadena owns it. Mm. It's probably why they're able to shoot there more oh, easily or whatever. I bet it's, I bet I know the area, you know, the Huntington gardens. Yeah. So right it's, by there it's is... known as millionaires row. Yeah. That area. Yeah. 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 And so that house is specifically the headquarters for the Pasadena tournament of roses. Oh shit. So it's this perfect, like it's like the metaphor again is all yeah. perfectly built in of like the Pasadena <laughs> elite, like annual event. Yep. Is where this takes place. That's fucking crazy. My favorite quote from Joe Bob in a, maybe this kind of works as an out of context quote, at least for me. He said uh, about this film, this is why Americans love mansions. <laughs> maybe that does need more context. <laughs> what? <but> <laughs> yep. I couldn't agree more. Right. This is it. This is why. Just talking about the whole like going off on the he he was like so he was just cracking up the whole time about this idea of like tell me about these Los Angeles orgies and the, the sex cults he was just like obsessed with it all and like he like Pasadena being the Uber he's like oh and people in Pasadena the rich in Pasadena they don't even see themselves as being in Los Angeles they're in Pasadena you know it's kind of true yeah exactly. <laughs> why america love americans love mansions oh yeah oh, i think he was kind of going off on like how there's all these different rooms to go off and have sex in and yeah, get to yeah. trouble you know um i had all those polls i read earlier about the tone of it um i mean i'm, I'm just going to my list do you have anything you might you might have some no we've talked about all the same things um or you've talked about the things so I then have. i have um the development of of uh society society here <laughs> is so brian oh. used now this was the first film he directed and it was he got the leverage to make it because he had the rights to reanimator 2 which was yeah. his one producing success that was my but it was thing. after he had um been trying to make a film with um dan o'bannon yeah which was called the men which sounded kind of similar to this where sure. it's about it's it's kind of like this meets um 
that's uh, the the John Carpenter they live, mm. except it's where it's a world where all the men are like creatures or aliens. Okay, and the women fight, that's cool. which is sounds great. Yeah, um, but that fell through, and then so they were hired on to do um, the team Brian Usna and Stuart Gordon were in pre production on Honey I Shrunk the Kids with Disney when Stuart Gordon. Had, got sick or something so hmm. they both left and then or once he left they kicked out brian usna and turned it into what they did but they were apparently up in pre-production building the sets in mexico shit that still became you know the movie a lot of us loved as kids wow um yeah that's crazy uh the movie did not do well in the u.s <laughs> but in ink this is quote in England, it was a huge hit and got great reviews. In France, it was a hit. In Italy, people have written PhD dissertations on the movie. It's very interesting how audience took it in worldwide. And then he sort of goes on to say, like, which I'd agree with him, um, is uh, he thinks, you know, now in America, it'd be it'd do better rather than people were more attached to that ideal yeah. of like, no, this is, this is the American to work up to the social elite and anyone can yeah. do it. Why would we ever criticize or disparage that? But then you have like the French and the French, you know, revolution and right. Elitist. Here's actually his quote on that. Do you want to hear it? Sure. For the filmmaker, he thinks the problem was purely political. The themes he was exploring simply didn't resonate in the U.S. like they did overseas. So now the filmmakers quote, I think it's because we have this fantasy of the American dream that if you work hard, you'll succeed and become rich. You're not supposed to resent that. You're not supposed to resent what the rich have because if you work hard, you can get it. In American society, we even admire criminals who are wealthy because we think they must have done something right. In England, they live in the punishing class system throughout history, right down to a language barrier, so they had no problem with the movie. Italy was similar. France was similar. Oh, yeah, that's like what it is. I mean, hey, they're the guys who invented the whole revolution against the aristocracy. Hmm. What do you think of that? Do you think that's true? Yeah, and I think that if you made this movie today, it would be well received in the states yeah i think that's perfect it's ripe right now yeah crazy uh i was excited to learn they were developing a sort of sequel slash reboot <laughs> and do you read about that at all it, no it sounded like the premise would be sort of starring a girl who gets caught up in like the sort of hollywood club scene or something or i don't know if that's connected to the, the film business or more like actual clubs or just mm. sort of this weird social elite more specifically in hollywood but that the idea is like, okay, well, once you get into the club, there's the VIP, then there's the VVIP, <laughs> and then it's sort of where does that, just a play on that. Yeah. Um, it was called Society to Body Modification. That was the title. I feel like on. I've, yeah, read that somewhere. And then um, only did I, when I'm reading the review for the Blu-ray that's come out, did I read, there's actually a release, and this comes with the Blu-ray if you get it a comic book sequel called Society Party Animal. I want to read it so bad, Tim. I wanna, you know, the expansion of this world, I would just want to read it so much. Get into it. You can find it. All right. So how would we remake it, Tim? My biggest jumping off point is what the story is at its core is, again, I want to say I loved it how it is. This is just now we're different people than Brian Hughes. Now how would we do it? But what I attach to most is how sinister 
the story is and these idea of the rich doing this to the poor. And I want would want the movie to feel sinister. Yep. That's exactly what I would cheek. want. The, there's a the movie that kind of comes to mind that lived a bit in that. And stylistically, I just sort of like the aesthetic is brick. Oh, yeah. It's got this. It's a noir. So I guess what I'm saying is I would want to make this a modern noir, right? Like in the same sort of tone that Brick did. Because Brick has that same sort of thing of like, what the fuck is going on? I definitely on? think who more are these people? John Carpentery too, where it still has the satire, but it's very well, that, grounded, so, like urban kind yeah, of feel. Yeah, finding that balance of the noir and that Brick does well and what you're saying, yeah, that sort of gritty John Carpenter uh, right it's self-acknowledgement almost mm-hmm. and then the the unabashed showing of Cronenberg once we get to the <sighs> ending fuck yes and and Chithulu the mom <laughs> yeah the mom. That, I mean that we found our yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can't I mean and not CGI it, oh no! It'd be all the fucking most practical, like squid, squiddy arm shit going. Apparently, on. they only had a day to shoot all the effects stuff. Oh my god! If that says something. <laughs> oh my god! That sounds like a nightmare. So yes, make that the whole. Make that the majority of the shoot. Yeah. Is make that all the coolest stuff possible. Yeah, I mean, the tone would just be. I just would need for my taste and aesthetic would need to be much, much. And you could see darker. why I want to keep up. The, the the music how that still works that that melding of like how that the music was for working for me in that but sinister do you mean sense. the instrumentation like the synthy sort no, of vibe no 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 okay because I that I not the do 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 not the not okay, the Pee Wee's yeah. Playhouse thing right, right right but when it's like the the dis, the warbly distorted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Blue Danube sure like yeah, yeah all that no, that's stuff. great yeah I think it'd be good and the even the the theme. You know, it's... Would you change the location? Would you keep it Beverly Hills, kind of? Or would is there a better one? Um, I, D, mean, I mean, you from, could be in D.C. Being from Marin, I would be interested in that angle. Oh. Because, I mean, I've lived in New York City. I could see you doing it there, but, but it's, yeah, it's not... Marin is sort of all an enclave in itself. Mm. You have, like, some area that's, like, you know, not not as nice, but then... But I think I do think L.A., as we mentioned before, because the, the you know, the different the different um, neighborhoods are stacked up right sure. next to each other. Yet Beverly Hills is kind of also fenced off, you know, just enough that there, it does lend itself well it to the does, story. But I, I, you know, now thinking about it, I think if you if you pick kind of no name American, not small town, but like medium-sized town in the middle of the u.s like not the middle middle but like somewhere not a major major metropolitan city you can kind of shrink the story down but still accomplish this stuff because like i'm from rochester new york which is a pretty small city but it definitely has all of the same sort of structural like socioeconomic structural things that this has but it would be it's more like a lot of other places in the US whereas LA is really just LA. It's yeah. And I think maybe getting that kind of shrunken down less, you know, less of the the like there's so much that comes along with putting it into it's such a recognizable city that yeah. I think if you washed that away but still kept all of the structural sort of 
you know, bits of it. Because, like, in Rochester, there's a town over, I mean, my town, even within my town, there was, like, two and a half miles east was a mansion row. But, like, my neighborhood was this very basic sort of, it was called Home Acres. The neighborhood had a name. It's hard because I think you could argue it a lot of ways. This is what we, this is the challenge what we're doing right now is figuring out because what you're saying is set up more in kind of like, you know, anywhere America have this exists everywhere. Right. I could still argue for the Beverly Hills setting because I think there's something uh, specifically cathartic and eerie about seeing, they they almost represent the sort of ultimate golf club, you know, members, exclusive club members, you know, something about like the California types too, but my argument for it now when I was thinking about sitting in Marin is where I come from is there's this you have like the, the bubble or whatever they're definitely you know it's a it's a really expensive place to live mm-hmm. yet yet it's like a lot of them though it's it sort of identifies though you know San Francisco as being progressive so I think that's almost a more sort of um mm-hmm. modern day poignant thing to sort of show mm. the um show not the um the if there's any hypocrisy that we sort of aren't yet to fully embrace or acknowledge yeah that exists in you know the the san francisco where where it's like that sort of even more than la is indicative of the wealth gap and the the housing crisis going on well and you know what we're what we really miss in this movie and i'm not sure how you integrate it but we do miss the counterpoint of the poor poor yeah and so another place that I've been that you could use that has the really, really wide spectrum of like super rich and f- like dirt ass poor is Martha's Vineyard, mm-hmm. um, where it's like that whole island exists off of the mm-hmm. seasonal rich people showing up. Yeah. And then like on the off season, it's like. A lot of people are scrambling to find just a place to live well, that see, they can afford in. Like you have to go to the middle of that, the island and live in a little shack. That'd be like the if it was reversed, then I think that works. So then you have the island that's isolated of the rich people, mm-hmm, you know, but mm-hmm. you're saying it's opposite. But like imagine if Marin set you have the Tesla drivers like, you know, getting off on just the homeless people they pick up on the streets of San Francisco or whatever. <laughs> That's pretty twisted. Yeah. 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 Interesting. what you want. Fuck. The other question is, do you make Billy still a, 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 family member or do you make him an outsider that's come into this world? I think you play up. I think that it could be cool to, just sort of do what was felt like was there, but more missed opportunity, make it more clear with a, a well-drawn character of he's how his whole life, he hasn't felt like he fits into this family somehow. Mm-hmm. His question of, I think I'm adopted, you know, right, that's, right. that's a sort of good jumping off point for all that. I think. Yeah. I guess the reason I ask is because I can see a version of this where Billy is us, the audience. He's, he's, he's just like anybody. Right. And he gets a job or takes this job that seems like this great opportunity to like step into a higher sort of class and make money. And like maybe that will lead to opportunities that could be good for him. And he's getting that 
voice from right. somewhere else. I think we make it a little plant the seeds more of what exactly the family is doing in relation to them. Mm-hmm. Are they trying to somehow get a human to be on board with their their kind or are they just uh, raising him to be the idea, like kind of what they say in this, where he's like the perfect specimen that mm-hmm. they somehow get off more on uh, on shunting. Right, right. <laughs> because it could be like, oh, Billy, we have the internship for you this summer. Or it could just be like what I think works for this, where they are keeping him at a distance, like from the sister. Yeah. Or well, you know, and, compared to the sister. And I guess, I mean, maybe part of why we've seen this before, the version I'm talking about. I mean, Midsummer essentially does that, right? It's the outsider, the skeptical outsider, or sort of, you know, a, an outsider that thinks they need this or that this will be good for them kind mm-hmm. of thing. Also, um, what was the other example I just thought of? Shit. Um, I don't remember. So, yeah. I don't know. I think I feel like be... all good questions that yeah. I'd love to have the opportunity. Let us remake it, world. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before Ryan. Before the actual original filmmaker does. Yeah, exactly. Cool, dude. All right. Let's 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 put a bow on society. This was a good, I think, yeah, episode 50. fifty. Thanks to Dr. Williams. I hope you're happy. Thanks, dude. Let us know if you have anything or to do add. That. Huh? I said dude or dude at. I don't actually. <laughs> and I know. said uh, let us know if you have anything to add. We'll we'll be sure to report back to our to our listeners. So now we have our recommendations. So I went to Palma and I watched Blow Out. You went to Palma. <laughs> and it is good. It's got a lull in the middle or sort of second halfy lull kind of thing, but it's pretty fucking cool, man. Cool. Um it, 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 don't be don't be turned off by John Travolta being the lead. He's good in it. Um and it's got it's got that thing that you're kind of talking about of like you don't necessarily want there to be like a, a bow on the end, you know, which I, it, it was cool. It was satisfying. Yeah. I don't um, think I've seen it. It's on, um, prime, I think is where I watched it. So yeah, that's mine. It's fun. Cool. Um, I will recommend, recommend dead, not a horror film, but I'm just going to, you know, just, just looking at what I've recently watched. Anything I enjoy, I put it a heart next to on uh, on Letterboxd here. Uh, <laughs> I watched on the Criterion channel, the, I think it was late 60s. Yeah, 69 was the year. It's called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. And it has Natalie Wood in it. And she's it's worth this. seeing just for her. But even yeah, nowadays, it feels so relevant at sort of just exploring the ideas of open relationships. Mm. And this sort of idea of like sex being like carefree, da 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 da, but then also like there's this whole other side to it yeah. where, it, but it's not to yeah I don't know. It's really really interesting and in digging into these. I think that are sort of went away for a bit, but are even sort of more present now again or sure. curling these sort of uh, questions. And it's uh, it really took me by surprise at the end, sort of with the ending of like oh this just got this is like a good this like really good film. Mm. You know? All right. I recommend it. Cool. Well, <gasps> are we doing hat pulls? Yeah. Is it your turn? Oh, Tim, Tim, I don't know. I think it's... Did you pull the Japanese movie that we couldn't get? I think get? you pulled that. I don't think I did. Yeah, you're right. Your turn. 
It is my turn. Okay. I'm so excited. Mm, mm, this feels like... Which, again, a, we will watch when it becomes available. A long one. One Cut of the Dead, yeah. It's not a long one. It's just on a long piece of paper. <laughs> it's called Sisters from 1973. Oh, man. This is one I've really been wanting to see. I love 70s. This one's supposed to be good. My friend uh, Nick was recommending it to me. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Well, where can people find us? They can find us at Gmail and Instagram at Dismembering Horror and on Twitter at DishorrorPod and on Ryan's portfolio website, RyanMcDuffie.com, M-C-D-U-F-F-I-E. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of all over. It's, it's all all under Tim Aslan. Um, sorry. And I, 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 I thought this was right but I wanted to confirm it before I said it, but you just mentioned Brian De Palma Sisters is a Brian De Palma film. Oh shit, is it? <laughs> cool. Thought what I knew a that, coincidence. But I just wanted to confirm. Great. With Margot Kidder. Yeah, I'm really oh, excited. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. I haven't seen it. Okay, so you said where they can find us. Great. Dismembering Horror, blah, 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 blah. That's what we're called. It's where you can find us. That's right. At DisHorrorPod on Twitter. <laughs> yep. At Dismembering Horror on Instagram. At no, dismembering horror at Gmail. Mm-hmm. Email us. So many ads. Recommend a, this was a recommendation. That's or, right. No, sorry. This our recommendations are what we recommend, Ed. This was a recommendation of what we watch. Well, I think you could call it a <laughs> recommendation from a listener. Sure, you're right. Okay. And we watched it. So um <laughs> There's your incentive. And we talked about it. And it was a good episode fifty. I love talking Hell about yeah. this with you, Tim. Hell yeah. All right. Well, in closing. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Good Goodbye. Bye.